And we're live. That was quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I gotta say, I, 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 I like my hundred megabits internet service. So, anyway, um, and w with no data caps, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we took a bit of a break last week. Some, some stuff happened, and it was time for a bit of a break. But um wanted to start this uh, episode off with some quick tech-related stuff. Um, a lot of people have ported stuff to the Raspberry Pi. And one of them, apparently, is an addition of FreeBSD with ZFS modules enabled. So, so you can you know, attach existing storage to kind of you know, boost everything a little bit. And it actually, apparently, um, review on DistroWatch, they ran it, and it didn't take up that much memory for, you know, what they wanted. The only problem is if you update on a regular basis, uh, that might be a problem with the SD card not being the fastest in the world. But it has its uses, so... Um, have you have you played with FreeBSD at all in any fashion? It's been a long while since I have. Last time I did, I don't remember liking it very much. <laughs> <laughs> totally different approach. It is, and and I think, I mean, from from my perspective, I could get used to pretty much any operating system. I've used very very sparingly. I've used. Um, Gen 2 in the past, which is an absolute pain in the butt to set up. But once you get it set up, it's rock solid, which is pretty nice, especially because it gives you the ability to configure it from the ground up exactly how you want it. And from what I understand, FreeBSD is fairly similar. It doesn't come with a graphical install off the bat, and everything's command line based. And I think, don't you have to compile most of your, sources, uh, most of your programs from source as well? Um, they've got some package management now, but but used to be you if you want, of course, right? Yeah, that's if that you, must have been when I ran it. Yeah, like 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 Debian, it's gotten a little bit easier from what I understand to get started with it. Um, but once once it's like. Because used to be with something like say Debian, you had, not only did you have to install a bunch of stuff, and that's when they had the Debian package manager and everything else. You also had to by hand tweak it, and it wouldn't hold your hand in any way. Now I can actually pop in a disk and and actually have for the most part, unless there's um, non-free binary firmware that you have to add. For the most part, it's plug and play, um, and you know, sp speaking of which, um, you remember the story when Firefox was coming back to Debian. They've resolved the trademark disputes. They're they're now working on Thunderbird as well, or they've been working on bringing Thunderbird back. Um. 
Um, have you have you ever messed with like the unbranded versions of either one? I actually use Thunderbird on a daily basis for my own email account. Oh wow! So, well, I've gotten used to since I started working as a software developer for Shelter Insurance. We have a uh, proprietary program by IBM that I absolutely hate at work, but it it does have a lot of features that let you do a lot of cool things that you normally wouldn't do with like a web-based email client. So, and uh, Thunderbird, <laughs> that's it. Thunderbird has a lot of those same features. And if anything, it's, it's a lot more streamlined. It's better than the program that I use at work. I wish I could use this at work, but I can't. I'm kind of locked into what I have to do at work for that. But it has, it has the ability to create, you can create separate tons of different folders and then you can do that on a web client but you can set up filters that actually take and run through when you get emails when they sync to your client it can scan those emails based on the subject or the body or a combination of subject body and then the to address or from address and stuff like that and filter it and shove it into different folders based on certain criteria and I use that pretty heavily at work, and I use that here too. Like I've got, um, I'm subscribed to the uh, development mailing list for Xubuntu, uh, and I have a specific folder for development type stuff, and that's where that lands all the time. And then I've got like something specific for student loans where I get all my refund, uh, like my emails for making payments and stuff like that or when I have a payment due goes to that folder or any generic receipts I have a receipts folder stuff like that and those are all controlled by filters I don't have to do anything I just let the client run and it syncs everything on the, the server as well which is right. really nice like like I, I've, I've ran like their generic versions of Firefox Thunderbird Ice Weasel and Ice Dove and I'm just and I'm like, no, nah, I just rather have the real thing. I'm just glad to see it now that they're working their way back towards that. But, um, it, but I, you know, and nowadays I just run Chrome and be done with it. But, but it's good to know that there are options still out there. Um. Do you still use Firefox at all or not really? Not hardly. If I do, I I use the developer edition. Firefox came out with the developer edition, I think probably a couple of years ago, last year or a couple of years ago. I don't quite remember. It's basically the same thing as the basic Firefox with a bunch of plugins already installed for you. It has all the developer tools and used to have the... Um, uh, phone SDK built in, built in with it for Firefox OS, and stuff like that, which since it is now defunct, and I think they also removed the plugin. I'm not 100% sure on that. But it comes with a bunch of tools that are good for developers. And I use them a little bit at work to, it, ha it has better capability of capturing timings in terms of how a page loads than Chrome does for those developer tools. Otherwise, I prefer using Chrome. Like re recently, I had to change my Chrome configuration a little bit. I removed like the 
the packaged app for Hangouts and just use the extension instead, which basically does the same thing, just even puts a little notification thing in Ubuntu Unity's uh, system tray area. So it's pretty nifty, the notification area. So I, so it's it's all right. It pops up when, yeah, it pops up when there's a, it says like number of unread messages and what have you, but um, it's it's not too bad. And the cool thing about going back to that and resolving stuff like that is you're not running into the headache that uh, people have been running into as of late in a couple of states, at least. You like repairing your own stuff, right? Yeah. Like if a hard drive goes out, you know, well, I'm going to open this thing up, put a new hard drive in. It was kind of a chore for you with your, with the, MacBook that you had at one point, wasn't it? That yeah, it was still. I mean, you can't do it with any newer type MacBooks. I mean, well, okay, no, you can't replace the RAM or the the storage because the storage, all that stuff, soldered on the board now. But with the MacBook that I had, I was able to take, I was able to take the back plate off, which had I think eight or twelve screws on the back. Take that off, and then I had. I had to buy special screwdrivers, a special screwdriver set. And here's a piece to it. I can't find. I don't know where the rest of it is. Oh my. But anyway, it's got some Torx bits on there. They're basically, they're basically uh, um, kind of like metric, but they're a specific star pattern kind of thing that Mac, uh, Apple has used to screw the actual hard drive in. So I had to take that out and then put it back together. It wasn't too much. I mean, it wasn't like having to resolder something on the board or anything like that, but it was still kind of a pain in the butt to get it out. Well, unfortunately, Apple doesn't like the concept of people doing that in Softpedia. No, not Softpedia, but TechDirt um, mentioned this. Um, they're trying to stop the right to repair movement. Um, citing quote unquote safety issues, you know the the quote unquote concern of you know, they don't want people being able to repair their iPhones or their iPads, and trying to you know do the whole fear mongering of well they might accidentally tap the battery and cause it to explode, or something along those lines. So we'll de- I, I'll definitely keep an eye on that one because that. Um, fighting that for the last couple months, I think. Yeah. I remember right. Apple's always trying to do something. (laughs) No, because they want the source to come back to them and so that they can keep making money off of repairs. Exactly. It's a money thing. Um, Which... Which, speaking of money, um, for those who are willing to pay a little bit more, um, you, you're going to have more options for, say, if you like to stream a lot on your phone, like like I might in the future, or do a lot of, in my case, uh, mobile hotspot or tethering even. Um, there are now unlimited data plans for Verizon. Um, as soon as, and that one I didn't pay as much attention to until I opened the, my Verizon app and, oh, cool. 
and and you know you're give you a heads up um, if you work for a company that offers discounts on on Verizon service it may not be applied to this plan um, so basically it cost me nine bucks more just to do it and I'm like well it's only a little bit more and with what I'll be doing down the road it's probably gonna come in handy so I said screw it um, and I'm paying a little bit more because I don't have auto pay on because I'm like uh, I'm not so keen on that for some cases I'd rather be able to be like yeah I'm gonna pay this today or no I'll pay it later the only problem with auto pay for me is well it money may not be in my account for it and i may overdraw I'd rather not risk that but for those who are willing to take that chance and do you know paperless billing i already do that you can save a little bit of money on that too um this thing lets you stream all you want basically but if you consume over 22 gigs of data during network congestion, you may have a speed slowdown, so to speak, as your prior they reprioritize you behind other people. You know, in the interest of fairness, um, as for mobile hotspot and tethering, um, you can do up to 10 gigs LTE speeds, and then you'll be throttled down to 3G. So, if, so if you do a lot of stuff, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know what? I may not be able to do as much and I'm on the road. Well, you'll still at least be able to do your email in a timely fashion and things like that. So it's not horrible. And they have a single line plan, which you can connect like a smartwatch or, and tablet to, which is two devices. And I'll see it as, you know, one line or their multi-line, which is a little bit more and you can do up to 10 devices connected to it. So, so if you do a lot of Facebook Live or, or anything live, uh, that's going to help out a lot. And, of course, AT&T came in dead last. You have them, right? I do. I was actually Only just now looking at what it would take if I decided I wanted to get unlimited internet. And it would look, looks like it would cost me another $40 a month on top of what I'm already paying for my wife and I both. Yeah, and for some reason, they're charging a premium price and they don't include tethering or mobile hotspot at all. Yeah, no, the, I, I use, I don't use tethering, but I do use my mobile hotspot a lot. So that's kind of kind of a turnoff for me. The, the deal breaker. Yeah. But you still have carryover data, right? Oh, absolutely. And so I've only been with AT&T for less than two years, probably a year and a half, I think. Um, but just recently, they changed their plans before they started doing this unlimited um, data again. Or they changed the tiers from 3 gig to 5 gig. And when they did that, they gave me an extra bonus 3 gigs. So I basically have a 6 gig plan between my wife and I, we never used that much of it. So right now I have basically four gigs of rollover data from last month coming to a total of like 10 gigs, I think. 
of data. So I, I never use that much. Now, if I had unlimited data, I would probably take advantage of it and stream music at work and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't need it. <laughs> and I wouldn't be doing the streaming so much. Um, um, be, you know, for, for, you know, for, for reasons I, for, for good reasons, it's, it's mainly because, you know, my work environment, you know, not every work environment allows for stuff like that. I'm assuming yours does. So as long as I'm responsible, right? Plus, and, and plus, you know, commuting, that's when you can do the streaming anyway. So, but um, anyway, it's you know when when you when you pointed that out, I'm like, oh, well, that's that's cool because like T-Mobile did it. It's like T-Mobile is the redheaded stepchild of the industry, <laughs> with making these grandiose claims. I, I'm sorry, I, I say this as somebody who loved T-Mobile for their pricing and everything else. My problem was that you know their data coverage was sorely lacking. If you go to certain rural areas, you weren't as well covered. And it, I found it perplexing and irritating. So, you know, every now and then you might see me trolling a little bit going, well, if you would up your coverage in rural areas, you'd probably have a better leg to stand on. But with that said, some of their daring things in pricing to lure customers over has forced other carriers to follow suit so i'll give credit where it's due because i don't think they were the first to try to come back with unlimited data i think sprint kind of started doing that again and then then t-mobile won up them and then verizon came and decided to do that and at&t sort of doing it now but you at least have a hot spot yeah. That way, if you're on Hangouts and it's like multiple notifications, you can switch to your tablet instead of going, quote unquote, unlimited and being like, oh, we're sorry, you can't do that. You have to pay more money for this. Right? Um, does, it, does it charge extra for a hotspot on that unlimited plan? I don't know if they even offer it. I haven't, I didn't see any details about that. Because in the link from The Verge, it says new unlimited plan HD video, no tethering in the URL title. And I'm like, oh. Which I think is was one of the downsides of Sprint's original unlimited thing was you couldn't tether, you couldn't hotspot at all, which is which is horrible, but for some, but, but yeah, if I'm like at a convention, I can probably live stream or set up something like that now and be like, yay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which next year, I think I'm going to go to more conventions if at all possible. Cause it's, it's been a couple of years. Um, because of like, because of something that came up a few years ago, I 
I had already paid for NakaCon and everything. I just didn't go because something came up. And ever since then, I haven't been able to go to any convention. And it's just been driving me nuts because I go for the panels and and look at people who cosplay. It's I miss doing that. So hopefully next year when I when I have vacation to spend and actually I may even be able to do some this year because a lot of conventions are like on the weekends and I'm off most Saturdays and pretty much all Sundays. Um unless unless something comes up to where I have to go in on a Saturday. Um, that's an opportunity, so I'm looking forward to that. That's good. You're thinking about going to, like, Comic-Con, right? Yeah, I think I'd rather go to Comic-Con than Nakacon. I think it fits my personality a little better. There were, yeah. I think when I looked at the Kansas City Comic-Con, there were five or six people that I recognized from... Uh, voice actors for video games and then uh, the most notable person that's supposed to be there I think was Ron Perlman which is really awesome to go meet I love Ron Perlman Um, there are for those who are kind of like local in my neck of the woods uh, or more towards the Kansas City area too um at the beginning of March 10th through the 12th at the Overland Park Convention Center, that's that's when NakaCon's going to basically roll in. Um, but later that month, for those of you who attend the University of Central Missouri, um, you all have a convention of your own. Uh, that's uh, thanks to thanks to members of the U.S. Air Force from Whiteman. Um, it's a convention called StealthCon. They I think did pretty good last year. Um, I think that was the first time doing it. Uh, this They're coming back this year, and it's going to be March 25th and 26th, Saturday and Sunday. So it's definitely local, and I, I think they've got some – definitely got some guests this year for sure. I think they, they had some last year, but that were – you know, they're a little bit obscure, but – that may actually be a plus. I'm pulling this up now to see who who all is going or who all is coming to Warnsburg. Um, see if you, I'll see if you recognize a few of these names. Uh, uh, Crystal Lowe, Phil Lamar. No, Mindy Sterling, Alexis Cruz, Eric Avari, Carmen Arganazio, Arganzio. No, no, I can't pronounce their name. That's bad. Um, Jorgito Vargas Jr. I think it's a lot of it's uh, either well-known cosplayers or people in obscure. Wait a minute. Phil Lamar. Oh my goodness. Okay. I think Phil Lamar did some work regarding like say Samurai Jack, if you remember that cartoon. Did he play the main character? Or do the voice of the main character? With Jack? 
Maybe. Wait. Because that sounds familiar. Maybe. Let's see what IMDb says. Basically, but he's an actor for sure. Definitely a voice actor. Um, um, he, he, according to this, um, the Grounding's Theater, blah, 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 is perhaps best known as one of the original cast members of Mad TV and as Marvin in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he did the voice of Samurai Jack. Yep. Um, comedy web series inside the legend. Um, um, he did, he's voiced Samurai Jack, Futurama, Static Shock, Justice League, Family Guy, Young Justice, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they, they got some good ones in this show. That was on ABC Saturday Morning Cartoons. Yep. Um, Man. And he also did some stuff in video games. <laughs> and and think, um, uh, he's he's going to actually be in Warrensburg that weekend. So that's going to actually be pretty cool. Um, so he's going to StealthCon? Yes. Yeah, apparently. So, um, folks, support your local conventions. Um uh, AnimeCons.com also has uh, other you know, local anime-type conventions listed by state that are upcoming. So um, I think there's CosplayCon in Jefferson City and I think Anime St. Louis, and you know, more towards the spring, right before summer. And of course, if you're in Kansas sometime in June, there's Anime Fest Wichita. Um, and then there's something in Iowa as well. So there's all kinds of things that are kind of, you know, nearby. Um, and I actually do have a funny convention story for everybody. Um, I was at Wizard World in 2000 in Chicago. We actually saw some independent wrestling up there, and there was a tag team that actually were dressed as two people from Star Trek. They were called the Trekkies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the, 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 I was at a panel of, you know, upcoming stuff for DC comics. And the one question I wanted to ask, which I phrased it so horribly bad, like, well, part of one of the things I asked was, you know, Marvel's, you know, parody of Lobo in Deadpool, which, but the other question I was trying to ask and phrase correctly was, you know, me growing up seeing, you know, DC cartoons like Batman, you know, there was always the perception of the, it, the sky's always dark. It's just, you know, you know, you know, square jawed, 
you know, straight up stuff. Whereas Marvel, you'll you see more human sides of people. But the way I came off was telling, you know, a bunch of DC fans that I've preferred Marvel, which <laughs> was not. <laughs> I probably didn't go over very well, did it? <laughs> well, the fact that Stanley was coming over and doing some, I guess, crossover type stuff or some project with with DC, they're like, maybe that'll help change your mind or something like that. But I got booed at. <laughs> my dad and my sister kind of were outside the door waiting for me to fall on my face. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um. And that's kind of the, the fun of conventions. You can go to panels, ask questions and things like that. Um, and I, I once got accused of trolling because um, when, when people, there were animated related, animation related, you know, panels, how to put the stuff together. I did run into a few people to their credit that did say, well, use the tool. If, if you're familiar with the tool and it works for you, use it. Um, whereas these people, when you ask them, you know, you know, why not point out there are free tools available, open source tools available, so you don't have to dump a bunch of money just to get started on this. Well, I got, I kind of think I kind of got accused of trolling, and that wasn't my intent. But you know, that's what happens when you're inexperienced at going to a, to panels and asking questions from a totally different perspective but but it's fun you could see people in costumes um uh my you know especially elaborate ones that 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 just i once saw an r2d2 that was built from the ground up somebody actually put one together so that that was really really cool one year um, how many have you been to? I've never been to one. So if I go, it'll be my first time. Oh, wow. Um, a couple of tips. Um, cause comic cons more one of those things where it's not necessarily one where you stay at a hotel for, am I right? Or do I have that perception wrong? I don't know. I guess it depends on how far away it is. But for me, I'd probably just go up for the day, do a day trip for it. If I went, I'd have to, I got to see if I can still get in early. I think I missed the window for this year. I might've missed the window, but if it's like the big, big comic con in, um, what is it? New York or something like that. That's a little bit different because that's got, Tons more famous people go. They go to that one than Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Yeah, because like things like Naka Con, Stealth Con's mainly a smaller one. You don't necessarily need to stay at a hotel for it. It's more of a local thing, where which is actually good. But Naka Con, you know, even then there was a hotel stay involved if you wanted to stay the whole weekend. Uh, I've been to Project Acon in um, Dallas, Texas. Um, so it, it's, and I I was at AFW one year. I've been to a couple of Nakacons. 
actually been to Akon twice. So um, it's been an interesting experience. Um, if you go to a convention where you know you're going to be a couple of days and you plan early, uh, bring your own food. Yes, the, yes, there are some concession stands depending on concession spots depending on where you're at, but you're going to wind up paying quite a premium for that. Um, you know, there's like, you know, you may get some like places where there's a cafeteria-like area, food court-like area, but which which I think NakaCon a couple times was connected to a mall at one point, or there was a mall across from the convention center. I think there still is, if I'm thinking of the same place. So you might... Oh yeah, it was it was right next to Crown Center basically. Mm. One time. So you could go right into a mall and go to a food court or whatever and get some food, which worked. But I think they moved to the Overland Park Convention Center. So they didn't have to deal with the March Madness traffic as well. At, at least as much. But but um, it just tickles me. There's a local convention here in Warrensburg, which is nice because it gets, gives people a chance to kind of experience convention stuff without having to travel very far if they can't. So definitely have to let us know how, how your convention went. Curtis was at an event in Las Vegas, and as soon as I'm able to get him back on, um, he can tell us more about it. Related to tabletop gaming and everything else, and we haven't had any news on that in a while, so that'd be a good future topic. But um, all in all, I think this has been pretty straightforward, awesome episode. I will experiment with this over time, especially being like, you know what? Want you have somebody set something up and then. You know, be like, I'm here doing this or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. But anyway, I think think that's all for now. Um, the feed will be updated Tuesday, as usual, and you'll you'll see all the links together. Um, and the Reglue project is past two thousand dollars, but they still need a ways to go. As much as help as you can give. So we'll include that link as well and keep an eye towards the end of the closing days. Cause some of their perks that show up, they show up towards the end and they get some really interesting stuff. So entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. I'm Thomas. I'm Shaggy. And you all have a good night. See you.